0: y'all well welcome back to sex and couples therapy with the happy ending therapist again i am donna harris richards l-i-c-s-w and c-s-t certified sex therapist and i'm here again with vicky my producer today and also paul and justin back there helping out so well and actually today what we're going to do is we're going to get back into myth busting in sex and couples therapy. Um, last time we talked about five of, of ten myths that create desire problems with couples. Um, so we went through the first five, right, Vic? We did. How are you? I'm doing well. Cool. I'm what, doing well. What's going on with you and you and Brandon and, you know, what are you doing? What are you cooking? What are you into these days that's pleasurable? We're,
1: we're just enjoying um the time that we've been able to to have. So we were both working from home. Um we had both been working from home since March and I'm still working from home, but he's since gone back to the office a couple of days every week. Um so just still trying to find ways that we can unwind. Together, We've been going to, um, there's a spot near where we live where there's a bunch of rocks that are really flat, and we'll grab a pizza and a bottle of wine, and we'll go mm. around sunset and have pizza and wine Oh, that's, near the water. It's
0: really nice. That sounds great. Yeah, I heard you have a wine yeah. order coming in, don't you? <laughs>
1: I did. I'm so excited to open them. <laughs>
0: oh yeah what about you how are you doing oh you know i'm doing great we're doing really good you know making the best of it we just love being outside the weather's been so gorgeous and um yeah cooking i gotta tell you my husband is a supremo cook i mean he has gotten into what have you been cooking well he's been making risotto with saffron i mean i'm like ooh, i'm just like thrilled out of my head um (laughs) he does all the cooking um and, you know, I do the dishes, so that's good. It, it, I, I actually like it. It, balance. it. I like it, yeah. I like balance. It <laughs> So we've been doing that, spending a lot of time outside. We have a fire table. So, you know, we'll go out there and kind of light the little propane tank in the evening and just kind of look at our lovely garden. And,
1: yeah. And you got all those nice. lights that I bet you're enjoying. Oh, yeah. We
0: got our little string lights. Looks like a big party, and no one's there. <laughs> Just That's us, awesome. uh, but uh, That's yeah, awesome. I mean, we're I'm I'm continuing to kind of see friends on Zoom and FaceTime and you know talk to folks. Social connection so important. We go for walks. We try to get out there and be active. He's begun running again, and you know we have this gorgeous seawall um, where I don't know if you've been out to the seawall, Vicky, where you can kind of run or walk up there in New Bedford. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's, I mean, what a you, we just live in such a beautiful area here, so. It really is, it really is. So, you know, even though the the uh, pandemic has been difficult in ways, it's also uh, given us, you know, we usually like to travel a lot, and we haven't been able to do that, really. So staying home has been a, a new and delicious experience in You know, sort of the learning how to enjoy what what you have in the moment, you know, being really mindful um, and just being here without running around all over the place. So it's been nice. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) It is. It's really been nice.
0: I enjoy it. So when you do a picnic, like who, who cooks or who puts it together or how do you how do you and Brandon do it?
1: We will get a pizza, so neither of us have to cook. Oh. So there's um, right. a bunch of little different pizza places, and we'll we either pick a pizza that we like or we'll try something new. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But, um, mm-hmm. Then we'll just go, and it's really nice. There's a bunch of people that are, you know, all kind of socially distancing and doing the same thing. Mm. There's guys that go fishing, and it's really nice. You just kind of get to watch it all unfold
0: mm. near the near the ocean, which... The ocean's my happy place. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And speaking of pizza, you know, I had a plan this year actually to go to Italy. We've been once. Uh, I wanted to go back. My family is Napolitan from Naples. Oh. So I hear that I've never been to Naples. I hear they make, like, the greatest pizza in the world. So that's uh, on the bucket list to do soon, as soon as we can get back on an airplane and fly to Italy. Yeah. been nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is really, really nice, Vicky. I love talking about this stuff with you because I'm so into, you know, talking about pleasure and play and passion and putting all those lovely positive neurons in our neural pathways as a way to good mood and optimal mental health, physical health, sexual health, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So getting back to the myths, shall we dive right in? Let's do it. Do some deep diving. Um, right. So we <laughs> we left off with uh, uh, those five minutes before we talked. It, we bis- you know we busted the myth around. Um Sex should be organic, natural, spontaneous. You know, scheduling sex is a bad idea and is a desire killer. You know, it's not that. It's We talked about all the reasons why it's not. So if you guys missed it, feel free to go back and take a listen. Um, and we left off with this idea that desire just happens, and, and we know that that's a myth, that we really have to kind of focus on anything that we want to develop or get good at. We just have to kind of get in there. You know, I talk about, you know, if you are if you want to play a, a, a great... Um, Piece as a musician, you have to practice, right? If you want to be an athlete or you want to get good at a sport, you have to just kind of get out there and do it. So it's really like that with, with anything, including you know, sex therapy and relationship couples therapy. We have to, you know, if if whatever we're doing is not working, we have to figure out how to do it so that it's more efficacious. It just works better. I think of it like you know, going to the doctor. You know, you go to the doctor and you say, Hey, doc, I'm having this. I don't know, elbow problem or I'm feeling pain in my, my knee or whatever. And the doctor says, well, uh, or maybe it's a sports medicine guy you're going to. And they're saying, well, you know, instead of moving your body like this, move your body like that. And that, that may relieve the pain that may give you better um, just functioning in terms of your body. So I think about, you know, mental health and relationship health in the same way. If we're doing something and, and it's not working, do it differently. And so that's that's where I come in, is to help people. You know, couples therapy and sex therapy is more uh, directive than regular uh, individual therapy or just simple cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy works, and I do that, and I do narrative therapy, but I'm also really kind of getting in there with couples, sort of helping them to see where what they're doing is working and building on those strengths and where what they're doing isn't working. So I want to help right. redirect. So So the... The myth that I was going to start talking about today um, is this idea that folks uh, have that, for example, someone might come in and say, you know, uh, when I do get turned on, I need to have sex immediately. Hmm. So, so this is a myth. Um, No, you don't. (laughs) Uh, You know, feeling the desire, having the anticipatory buildup is, is a beautiful and healthy thing. Um, in fact, it makes the pleasure last longer. Um, you know, you could, I mean, I suppose if you feel the desire, you know, you could have a quickie with your partner. Great. If they're available and they're consenting and willing fantastic (laughs) yeah um but you know what what you can do which is often very lovely and people forget that to your point last time vicky you you used the word cheeky i like that you know we can we can be cheeky and (laughs) flirty with our partners you know we can we can really enjoy the process um it doesn't have to be right to the end goal which is the you know orgasm or erection or penetration i really want people to be focusing on the journey right it's a metaphor for life uh, right, right. The journey's half the fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's most of the process. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> right. I mean, when you think about the end thing, it's you know you get there and yeah, hurrah, great. You know, I won the award or you know I had the I had the fantastic orgasm or whatever and and that is wonderful. That's all good. But you know, then you're done and then you're on to the journey again. Right, wherever that journey is going to lead you to for the next. The next place. So, um. I wonder why.
1: Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Go continue. ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, I wonder why people think they have to have sex immediately. Well, is there a reason? Like, is there a reason why it's, is it like something within your brain that says, I'm turned on, we need to do this now?
0: Well, there might be a use it or lose it mentality. Hmm. Um sometimes i think yeah people might be afraid well i'm i'm feeling turned on now and if we don't do it then what you know if i if i if i don't engage with my partner i'm afraid that i won't you know feel the desire again because it goes back to that myth that um you know desire just happens and Mm. and no it doesn't we can encourage it by engaging in it you know i talk a lot about how important it is to be in touch with what turns you on yourself so you can teach your partner what that is. Um, women's bodies are very complicated. Um, it's very important to be familiar with what's complicated so you know how to work it. It's like any complicated system, the more familiar with it we get, the easier. I mean, it's like doing our podcast, Vicki, right? You know, we right. <laughs> started out doing them, and <laughs> you've been very helpful to me along the way. Um, and you've been great. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. You've been awesome. And the gut. and Paul and, and Justin have been really helpful, too, in helping me to uh, understand that what I'm doing here is really a lot of what I'm asking people to do in therapy, which is really be in the moment. And so, right. you know, as someone who's come from a family that's, you know, been highly anxious, I come like from a family of anxiety, um... They are some of the best in the biz at being anxious. Um, (laughs) You know, I I tend to get very anxious when I'm, you know, I'm on air now and people are listening and I I really want to give as much as I possibly can. Right. Uh, But Mm -hmm. in in doing that, um, you know, sometimes I get myself too ramped up and then the experience at times has been felt. It's felt too, too tense. So you and I had a conversation, right? right? We're in a relationship here of sorts, right? Um, Where you said, you know, let's just kind of slow down and, and be in the moment more. Um, And it's like the conversation I was having earlier today with Justin, where we were saying, you know, if you've done the homework, well, then you can fly. Right. So right. If, if you've done the homework of knowing, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of doubling back now. Uh, That's OK. If you've done the homework in terms of knowing what turns you on, knowing your body, you know, um, or you're beginning to do the homework or you're thinking about doing the homework, whatever stage you're at, it's all normal. It's all good. It's all good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. Right. So I think we all get tripped up by this idea of perfection. Um, and, and nothing's perfect. No one's perfect. No relationship's perfect. No person, uh, no career, nothing. So being in touch with what's good enough, um, we don't have to focus so much on, on the end point, you know, just being in the moment and enjoying the ride really is, is the thing.
1: And I think it's a good point too, that you made relating this myth back to the myth of desire just happening, because if it seems to me Like if, if that were something that stressed me out and all of a sudden it happened, then I'd be like, you're right. I I have to do this now. I have to, I have to use it while I have it because it was spontaneous and it happened Mm. and all that would do would add so much stress to the experience. And then it would just take all the fun out of it because I would just be so stressed on the fact that it, I, it had happened and I needed to have it
0: now and it makes it not fun. Yes. And there's your (laughs) individual anxiety connecting to the relational anxiety. Yeah, And I talk with people a lot about, and I myself have to work on this, on externalizing our anxiety. You know, when these thoughts come in that are tripping us up, that aren't true, that we're buying into these myths, um, we can say, oh, here comes that thought again, and put it on a puffy little <laughs> cloud and let it float by, right? So you're taking it from the inside, putting it on the outside, you're noticing, you're observing, this is all part of cognitive behavioral therapy, right? You can just put that little thought on that little leaf and let it, you know, let it just kind of bubble on down the, the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the stream. Um, and, and yeah, just take it out of your head and, and put it somewhere outside of yourself. Take a breath and relax. I mean, it's the same thing with couples. You know, look, it's not that easy. You know, when people are in conflict, they're going to have feelings. It is really important to know what you feel. But I often want couples to to buy into this idea that feelings are not as important as we think they are. They're important because they help us know what we need, right? So if you're angry, maybe that means there's been an injustice, you've been treated unfairly. If you're sad... There's been a loss potentially. Um, so feelings are important, but in relationship, in the end, we want to get along. So know what you're feeling, but then stand up for what you need and want and ask for it. It doesn't mean you're always going to get it. Remember the 60-40 idea, right? 40% of the time we have to kind of just kiss it off and go, all right, well,
1: <laughs> it's what I
0: want and I can't have it. And so, you know, maybe next time. Um you know, but. I think that's good. It's important. You know, it's important
1: to just be reminded of those things.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I was talking before about the uh, the keys story. Um, and, Justin, you were asking me about the keys story. So I think <laughs> this is not related to sex, but it is related to couples therapy. <laughs> um, so there's this idea that, <clears throat> you know, I used to get so ramped up and so anxious when my husband would lose his keys. You know, I get right in there and say, well, where where did you leave them last? And let's go find them. And let's retrace the steps. And I really did nothing but make him more anxious and more escalated. And I have learned over time, after 21 years, when he loses his keys and he's looking apoplectic, I will just say, "Um, do you need my help? And (laughs) he will either say yes, and then I will help. Or if he says no, I'll say, okay, well, let me know if you change your mind. Perfect helps my anxiety and really brings down the relational anxiety. You know, when I'm wa- when mm-hmm. I'm needing and wanting to kind of get in there and help him, you know, unless I ask him if he needs my help, that's that's about me. That's not about him. So I'm serving myself right. individually, and this is this is not good for the relationship. We really want to focus on re- on the relational uh, aspect of things.
1: And it's like you're acknowledging. That he's having a hard time, that you are there if, if to help if he needs it, but also acknowledging that he might just want to take
0: care of it on his own. Oh, sure. If he wants to, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, right. that's nice. Yeah, And I love what you said that's about great. Brandon and, and the what he did for you with your keys. Do you remember what oh, you told me? Oh, yeah, him? I
1: lose my keys all the time. I am notorious for losing my keys, my wallet, my phone. I would lose my head if it wasn't <laughs> attached. Um, so Brandon just ever so kindly just put a hook by the door for me so that my keys now have a place to live <laughs> so Aww. i can just walk in the door put the keys on the hook and they can stay there and uh i actually don't i, I do it 80 percent, 90 percent of the time i put them on the hook mm.
0: so that i don't have to worry about it and it's really nice <laughs> well so he <laughs> just... was anticipating your need which is lovely yeah. <laughs> But but he doesn't get mad at you if you don't use the hook, I imagine, right? It's an option. No,
1: no, it's just Aww. there if I want
0: it. Oh, isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, he's a keeper yeah. for sure. Oh, that's great. He's he is a keeper. We'll and, keep him around. And I love you know I love this speaks to this idea that he's relieving your burden in a sense, like he's noticing what is stressing you out, and he's uh, sort of jumping in there to help relieve your burden. It's that division of labor idea that, you know, if you see your partner stressed and, you know, you want to have more sex, you know, do (laughs) offer to do the dishes, Just
1: the little things, you know, (laughs)
0: offer to put a big key hook, you know, offer to cook, um, or, or talk about like, if you're the one doing all the labor, you know, say, Hey, could you help? You know, can you do this? Can you do that? Um, that way your team is working more effectively. So that's a really nice story.
1: Well, and it's one of those things that we talk about, you know, if, if, it kind of goes back to the myth. If my partner loved me, they would do this. Or if my partner knew me well enough, they would do this. And and for him, it was just um, watching me lose my keys over and over again that he was like he saw it. It wasn't just he didn't just, you know, instinctively know. He's just seen it happen over and over again. He's like, I
0: can fix this. I can help. Oh, Here's isn't, how. That, isn't that nice? Isn't that great? Yeah, great. So that's nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and you're open to him doing it. I mean that's the other thing you know you didn't you didn't respond in a way where you know you i don't know somehow took it negatively. I mean, you noticed that it was a lovely thoughtful gesture.
1: yeah, no, it's definitely it was I understood that it was the gesture of him caring and him wanting to help, and it wasn't mm-hmm. um. There wasn't. There was no negative connotation around it, so it was really nice.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a, another idea in couples therapy that's so important to be open to your partner's influence. Mm. You know, there's this notion about um, uh, intention and impact in relationship. Mm-hmm. So. You know, oftentimes we can intend all the good in the world. Like my intention in my old way of being with my husband to, was to be helpful. I mean, I'm a therapist, right? So, you know, I yeah. want to help people. <laughs> um, but the impact was one of just stress for him, that I was, I was doing too much um, right. and, and not checking in with him. You know, do you need my help? So that's when I learned, okay, I should really just ask him, does he need my help? Um, That's stating the intention right there. And then the impact is a better one. You know, the impact is actually in line with the intention, which is I want to be helpful. Do you need it? If not, okay, let me know. If so, okay, I'll help. (laughs) Right. So. That's nice. Yeah. So um, other myths that we can talk about with folks. Uh, Things like, for example, I should be able to get aroused much more quickly than I do. Right. That's an interesting one. Yeah. So again, we talked about this last time. Anytime there's a should in the sentence, question it. (laughs) You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? The shoulds are are bad because they just put too much pressure. Um, So, you know, in terms of arousal, everyone is different and there is so much normal. Um, You know, again, some people are higher desire, some people are lower desire, some folks take longer to get aroused, some some folks it takes less time to get aroused. There are so many studies out there too. And before doing the podcast, I went back and checked some of the research. Um, And what I learned as a sex therapist um, is that for uh, initial desire time um, to peak arousal, it's very different for men and women. Uh, for men, it's about two minutes. For women, it's about nine. Wow. Some studies say for men, it's like three to four, maybe more. Um, some studies say for women, it's like nine or 10 to 20. Mm-hmm. So again, you see the range of how different it is. But what's stri- most yeah. striking is that for men, it's a much more um, quick process in terms of, of getting aroused. Um, Arousal states are also, the reason that the arousal states are different is because for women, they're very much affected by hormones. So men have Mm -hmm. a kind of a steady state of arousal, if you will, uh, for women, because there's testosterone. For women um, with estrogen and and all the other hormones, it's more of an up and down. So it's kind of like when I draw it out for folks, you know, I I will draw kind of a straight line for men to represent the steady state. And for women, you know, the, the ups and the downs are crossing through that line.
1: Uh, right. If that
0: makes sense. Um, so again, uh, there there there's no should. Um, it really is about focusing on pleasure, focusing on your own pleasure, what turns you on. You know, clearly being interested in what turns your partner on is is really important. There are lots of wonderful books about, out there about, you know, oral sex uh, for women and how it's really great for guys to get good at that because you know the clitoris is is a really sensitive and wonderful. Um, part of a, a woman's body um, and so to to treat that in a way that um, speaks right to what turns her on or not you know too much direct stimulation can be such a turn off so it's so important to to know how not to do that <laughs> um, and people are afraid to talk about these things you know they feel mm. they don't want to hurt their partner they don't want to you know come off as not knowing enough uh, so there's just a lot of stuff that goes on in our heads about it. And I want to, I want to help people just have more clarity. And it helps too with, you know, going back to
1: enjoying the journey, enjoying the journey of, you know, having that quality intimate time with your partner and really making sure that you're both enjoying it along the way. So instead of stressing about how long it takes, just enjoy or just try to enjoy rather. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, What's and what you're what you're doing. That's right, and really slowing things down. That is so important when we're talking about individual anxiety, relational anxiety. Slowing things down is is really key. So yeah, taking your time and not putting so much emphasis on the goal but on the pleasure. Yes, right.
1: And I think this actually plays pretty well with the next myth being that you know, masturbation diminishes my desire for my partner because they could, the two could kind of go hand in hand depending on what works for you as a person. You know, if that's something that you need to kind of like get you started, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't think that would be a bad thing, but according to this myth, it seems like a lot of people do.
0: Yeah, they sure do. Um, a lot of people have never masturbated, never self-touched. Um, and I want them to. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people recoil at even just me talking about it. So in sex therapy, couples therapy, yeah. I say to people, look, this is a metaphor for your relationship. So if you want me to slow down, if you're not comfortable talking about it, I understand that. I want you to say that. Uh, It is is very similar to exposure therapy, if you will. Do you know about exposure therapy? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm afraid to fly... You know, the only way I'm going to fly is to get on an airplane. You know, right? A- anything, you know, if I'm afraid of garbage, I remember watching. Uh, was it an episode of Monk once? I can't remember what it was. But <laughs> you're I just... love
1: Monk. I <laughs> love that show.
0: <laughs> the poor, poor Monk. He is just, just such an anxiety-ridden guy, right? So, um, yeah. I can't remember where I saw it, but there was this thing around exposure therapy with garbage, and someone had a, a, a terrible fear of garbage dumpsters. So, um, you know, it was just very slowly, step by step, you know, stepping out near the dumpster, you know, opening the top mm. of the dumpster, looking in, you know, and then getting to the <laughs> point where you're actually touching the inside of the dumpster, ah, right, brings up so much anxiety. But if we slow things down, and we begin to, um, you know, just, just develop ourselves over time to, to the thing that we fear. Then things become much less daunting. So, getting back uh, to the to the myth about masturbation diminishing my desire for my partner, no, absolutely not. What it does, what self touch does, uh, or intimacy with oneself, is it teaches oneself about about one's own body, um, mm. what what is a turn on, what is not a turn on. Um, now, I, I do work with couples, um, thinking of one couple in particular where uh, the, the husband uh, is a, a, masturbates quite frequently, you know, came mm-hmm. initially to, to therapy saying, you know, I'm masturbating a lot, and they really weren't having sex. Um, they had had, like, no sex in the last two weeks, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. And once we started to talk about, you know, the relationship and sex between the two partners, he... Tried an experiment, and he they scheduled sex. Um, they decided, I think, I don't know, it was Wednesday or something, they were going to do it. Um, and in thinking about that, because he had it in mind, instead of masturbating like Wednesday morning when he got up, he turned to his partner um, and decided to kind of save the desire for his partner. And this wasn't right. even something that we talked about. It just sort of came to him in light of, Keeping, you know, their, the sex together in mind or the intimacy together in mind, he decided to um, not masturbate, uh, but again, it's, it, he could have, I suppose, but he, you know, he just decided that he was going to try that and now his partner is feeling much more desired um, so it's not right. that it's not that doing it or masturbating diminishes your desire but if you want to if you want more sex with your partner then maybe you um, you don't do it that morning um, for women I say please self touch because y- again you really want to become familiar with your body what turns you on and then you can relay that to your partner whether it's verbally or w- with touch etc guiding him guiding I, her
1: and I think too it's to some degree some people might see it too as you know if if you get in the mood and then you begin to masturbate or you know you tell your partner or whatever it's kind of like an indication that you are in the mood an indication that you're down for some you know some intimate time whether it be with yourself or your partner and I think that's great to keep communicating that with your partner to make sure that they know mm. I'm in the mood, you know, are you in the mood? If not, I'll, I'll go take care of it. But you know, if, yeah. if you're in the mood, you want to, want to come with me? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like,
0: Hey, there's desire yeah. in the room, babe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and that's a good, that's that's a good really thing. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then of course the next myth that we have on the list here is talking about, you know, this idea that masturbation is wrong. Um, I really want to bust that myth. Oh, please, everyone. It is not wrong. It is healthy. It's part of sexual health. It's part of, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's part of getting to know your body. Um, You know, some people are raised in very sex-negative environments growing up. Some, the lucky folks are are raised in sort of sex-positive environments where it's an open conversation or or kids know that they can kind of bring it up. So... um, you know, pre- procreation of the, let me say that again, sorry, procreation of the species <laughs> is why we have desire. Um, or, you know, that is that is the functional aspect of it. Um, so it's interesting to me when when couples come and, you know, they've just had a baby, or they have a child or several children, and they're, you know, um, there's a problem with it with sex desire, they're not having it. And I'm looking at the kids or the baby going well you had to have had it at least once (laughs) um and you had it because you know you wanted to have a child and and our bodies are created so that you know desire leads us there but you know why not just enjoy the the pleasure that it brings if you're not trying to have a child um and so whether that's again self-touch masturbation or sex with your partner it's all good it's all healthy uh you know men Need to have at least two orgasms a week for optimal prostate health. Guys, just remember really? that. Yeah, more actually. Um, I mean, some studies show up to 21 times a month or more. So it's a really, really healthy thing. Um, you don't want to hold back. You don't want to not do it. Um, you want to do it. It's, it's good for you. It, it's good for your mood. Uh, you know, some people are worried when they come to me and they say, you know, I, I masturbated or I self-touched to get to sleep. I'm like, excellent. Yes. It's a great tool for getting to sleep because your brain gets washed in these beautiful feel-good chemicals when you have an orgasm. If your partner's there, great. Um, if your partner's not, great. You know, it, it definitely, I used to, even before I became a certified sex therapist, would recommend that uh, to people as a way of getting off to sleep getting off to sleep
1: (laughs) 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 sex puns sex we have so many we should do a whole podcast on sex puns (laughs) okay schedule it (laughs) no i think it's good and i think the other thing with people thinking that masturbation is wrong how how can you tell your partner what you like if you don't know what you like right you know and that's just it just it all melds together and it all works together. And it's just so nice. Yeah,
0: because <laughs> sexuality is just part of, again, I've said this time and time again, it's just part of being human. Um, it's just part of who we are. It's part of how we how we operate. So, yeah, you're right. There's metaphors everywhere. And, and it's a really it's a good one.
1: Yeah. Well, that was number nine. And we're coming up on uh,
0: number 10 here. Oh, yeah. So the myth that women lose their desire a few years after the beginning of a relationship. Wrong. <laughs> nope. Nope. No good. Um, yeah, I have so much to say about this. Uh, we, and we began to touch on this earlier, I think, around this idea of division of labor. You know, so couples are coming in to talk about, you know, one of... A bunch of things, you know, either there's a problem with their sex life, or there's a problem with money, parenting, division of labor, family, in-laws, all all this stuff that we're navigating after we get together and get married and make a life. Um, So oftentimes, again, whether it's a same sex marriage relationship or opposite sex, um, you know, there's usually someone who takes on more of the, the labor in the home. Uh, So by default, you know, the other person is taking on less of the division of labor. Um, So it's not that women lose their desire because they've been in the relationship for a few years. It's that perhaps they are overwhelmed with other things. And so, again, I like to talk with couples around how can their partner help them have more energy, uh, more, more time to relax, and therefore be able to make more time for sex. Uh, you know, I love it when couples sit down at the first session. I mean, now it's, you know, now it's on computer and video conferencing. But, you know, we're all kind of sitting there and, you know, usually she's ta- if it's a heterosexual relationship, she's talking about also what's the goal. She'll talk about we need better communication. Um, and he'll talk about how he'd like to have more sex. So as soon as I start talking about this idea that if he did more, they'd have more sex, oh, he just loves that. You know, <laughs> the guy is usually really lit up by the fact that that's a possibility. Um, but of course... Great.
1: I knew this was a great idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, exactly. I didn't want to come in for a year or two, but now I realize there was nothing to be afraid of, really, that I'm actually going right. to maybe get what I want. Um, and again, it's not to say... I don't want people to misunderstand. It's not that you know, a woman uh, can't say no or a partner can't say no. Once again, remember, it's 50-50. It's 50% of the time men have lower desire, 50% of the time women have lower, lower desire, and therefore 50-50 higher desire, right? Um, it, it's, it's not that a person can't say no, but, you know, if you are in a relationship and your partner is desiring and you are exhausted because, again, you're taking care of the kids, you're doing the housework, you're working, you're taking care of someone's parents, uh, there's just a lot of stress, Uh, you're traveling, uh, you're career-building, then sex ends up being uh, the last thing on the list.
1: But remember, consent is key, kids. Consent
0: is key. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, if a person clearly says no, we must listen to the no, because no means no. And, you know, this is where... My love for, you know, being a sex therapist uh, is in part related to the fact that sex is political. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. the Me Too movement, this is very important stuff. Uh, This is why the process is important for for young men and men in relationships or just, you know, on their own coming in to learn that it's so important to be getting a partner's consent. And not not pushing and, and understanding what those cues are from your partner. You know, some women have difficulty saying no, or maybe they're not sure, right? But I want, mm-hmm. I want people to, to talk, to be really verbal, to be very clear. The clearer, you know, I, I often say to couples, we need to be even clearer than we think we need to be. That's really good communication. Say what you feel, say what you need and want, um, and things will be better. But of course, that's a process too, right? That's a journey it doesn't come naturally it's in fact you know very unnatural women can tend to be very accommodating and therefore they submerge their own needs and that is not what's the best thing for the relationship
1: this is just but this these are all i love when we do this because i just i learn so much and i'm like this is great because i it just all seems to center around communication and being comfortable with yourself and what you want in your partner and just things that seem so simple that in actuality might not be you know and that are that are just so important Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and having been through this process myself you know this is why I fell in love with it that you know my husband and I we've been together 21 years and you know like I don't know maybe halfway in we we sort of hit the crisis phase for like around year I don't know 10 11 something like that and um It's very normal. Uh, You know, there's again, I think I've talked about homeostasis as the first part of the relationship. So there's limerence falling in love, you know, year and a half, two years. Oh, yeah, my partner isn't an extension of me. They have their their own person. And now many things are annoying me. And how do we navigate (laughs) the conflict of all of that? And then, you know, oftentimes by the time couples get, you know, it's different for every couple. You know, for some couples, it's a few years in, for some it's 10 years in, for some it's 20. I've seen couples where they're 40 years in and they've been in the homeostasis phase for 40 years. (laughs) And then something happens, a crisis uh, you know, an affair, or or they just say, I do not want to be in the relationship in this way any longer. So when people say mm. I'm done, really, what they mean is not I'm, I'm done with the relationship, but I'm done with the relationship the way it has been. Right. And I want something different. So the crisis phase is is the second phase. And then, you know, again, if people are really committed to doing the work which is good work and i try to have people do a lot of homework that's very pleasurable even though we're exposing ourselves to something different and that might increase anxiety i say take your time don't rush it um and just know that if you are committed uh to the process you're going to get there it's all going to be fine and you and the marriage is going to be or the relationship is going to be even better greater than you thought it could be and that's what happened to my husband and i i mean we did the work and here we are. And I loved it so much. I loved the process that I decided I wanted to do this for a living. I'm so glad you did too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. But having done other things like, you know, being a musician for many, many years, um, you know, just learning and being in business, just learning so many f- parts of the world and life, you know, I'm able to bring to that all of that experience too which is, which has been very helpful, you know, being able to relate to people and where they're at and all of those challenges are important. I love
1: it. And I encourage anybody that's listening. If you have any myths that you'd like us to bust, feel free. To send them on in. We'd love to hear them. <laughs> oh, great.
0: I love that idea. Oh yes, please, please feel free. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. You can reach us a bunch of ways. Donna will tell you how. <laughs> oh, for sure. So thanks, Vicki, and thanks, Paul and Justin <laughs> back there. Um, thanks so much for, for joining us again today. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at the Sex and Couples Therapist. On Instagram, please uh, connect with me at the Happy Ending Therapist. You can please feel free to call the office if you're looking for Sex and Couples Therapy. It's 508-990-9909. And um, again, please always make time for pleasure, play, and passion. And we will see you next time. Ciao.